You know, we laughed a couple of weeks. We've been talking about this hot tub story. Kissing Phyllis in the hot tub, is it wrong? No, but it gets me closer to that sin line. So what were we trying to do? We were trying to create moral margin. Is it wrong? No, but it's just like I want to be as far away from the sin line as possible. And some of us live life, it's like right on the edge. It's like, is that a sin? Not a sin, but I'm going to get awfully close. Right? So more margin is saying, no, I'm going to stay away from temptation. I'm going to flee and resist any appearance of evil. Emotional margin. I mean, emotional margin is the capacity to deal with problems. How many have had a problem and you're like, I just can't deal with it today? I mean, you got kids and you're like, I just can't deal with you today. (laughs) What's happened? You've given all of your day to your job, to your life, and you get home and your kids are just acting like kids and you blow up on them. It's not because they're bad. It's they're kids, but you got no emotional margin. You've given everything to your job and left nothing for your family. Spiritual margin is having time to think. It's having time to to ponder and to meditate and to dream. It's having significant time with God. That's one of the things I love about the 21 days of prayer is what are we doing? We're creating spiritual margin. Do you have to pray for an hour every day, Monday through Friday and Saturday? No, but what we're doing in this season is we're coming together corporately and we're saying, God, we're building margin spiritually. Would you speak to us? Would you reveal yourself to us? Would you give us new dreams and allow us together to come and to experience spiritual margin so that you can do what you want to do? See, some people just pray when there's a problem or pass the test or pray for dinner. Look, all those things are great, but you're not going to build margin just praying for your dinner praying for your kids at bedtime. You gotta build spiritual margin and that happens intentionally. When margin, uh, margin helps to decrease stress. But you guys agree with that? Yeah, I gave the illustration of running late. We had that happen this last week. Uh, Carson had his first scrimmage for football. He plays freshman football and uh, we had to go all the way up to Katy and we didn't have any margin. We were running like right on time. I would say late. Phyllis would say right on time. So we were running late and I'm like, guys, we got to go. Well, we got time. I'm like, I don't think we got time. We got to go. And so what ends up happening is we leave late and I speed. <laughs> and she's like, well, we made it on time. I'm yeah, but I ran like 90 miles an hour. It was funny. My daughter even said, hey, dad, aren't rolling stops illegal? <laughs> I said, well, it was a pause, baby. It was a pause. Her uh, cousin, my, Phyllis's cousin, just got a ticket for a rolling stop. And I'm like, well, baby, when you're in a hurry, you just kind of look and go, look and go, look and go. But here's what's crazy. We left, I would say, late. And of course, Addison, as soon as we leave the neighborhood, she left her shoes. So we had to turn around, go get her shoes. I'm like, of course she did. Of course she did. Carson's first scrimmage, we're the parents and the family. And it ain't like we can just sneak in somewhere. I mean, we're, we're like the hillbillies coming in. You know, it's like a whole bunch of... <laughs> Not only that, then we had to drop Sophia off over at Alta and drop her off. And then we had to go swing by and get Caden. And if that wasn't bad enough, we're over there on 99, which is already traffic infested. It is horrible if it make you lose your salvation up there. And it starts pouring down rain. I'm like, of course. Of course that's today. How many know your, your boy was stressed? Yeah, because margin decreases stress and a lack of margin increases stress. Yeah, have you ever had stress in buying something? You buy something and you spend all your money on it. 
Uh, when my son is experiencing this right now, my son just bought his first truck. He bought a classic, a 1979 Ford F-250. Invested all the money he had and then some, but how many know it's going to be a work truck? So we're driving it, and I'm like, all right, let's make a list of what we need to work on on this project truck. And it's like this, this, this. And he's like, Dad, I don't have the money. I'm like, I know it's stressful when you don't have the money, when you live redlined. Now, we knew that buying this truck, but how many people buy something and they don't expect something to happen, and it does, and now you're totally stressed out, and you're begging God for a miracle, and the truth is you mismanaged your money, and you're asking God to bail you out. See, we, 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 we love to live in crisis, and really that's what I have found is what we have as believers is a bunch of crisis managers. And then we say, God, come deliver me right? God, deliver me. He's like, okay, I'm in the deliverance business, but I'm not going to fix every one of your crises. Like sometimes he'll let you sit in your crisis because you made your crisis. Does that make sense? It's like, and, and we tend to think that miracles only happen in crisis. Now I'm going to teach you today, miracles happen in other spots. Like, and, and just hear my heart on this too. If you're in a crisis, I want you to know God is here. God cares for you. God loves you. I believe God will move on your behalf. But look, if, as a mature Christian, you shouldn't still be living in crisis. And I, I'm a concerned that that's how we... And here's where we look at God. God's just a genie in a bottle. You want to make your wish, God, direct, deliver me, rescue me. And he's like, no, I need you to be a disciple. I need you to grow up. I need you to make some space and create some room and build some margin and that's what I want to help us do. I want to help us live lives with Mark. When we look at Jesus, he, and, and I know you can say, well, Jesus. But the New Testament, I love Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you're brand new to the faith, don't try to go into Leviticus or Numbers or <laughs> Deuteronomy. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the stories of Jesus. And the thing that I love about Jesus is though he was all God, he was still all man. So what he does is a model for us. But when you look at Jesus, do you ever see him stressed out? No. Some of you, have you read your Bibles? No. <laughs> I don't think so, Pastor. I don't think he's been stressed out. <laughs> this is his test. <laughs> just... Look, well, 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 here's what's even crazy. I, I find this, like, I, I question God. We have conversations all the time. One of his dear friends dies, and you don't see him running in crisis to go deliver Lazarus. No, because God doesn't deliver out of crisis. He will sometimes, but God came to perform a miracle. He's not a crisis manager. He's a miracle worker. And so he went right on time, and everybody else was in crisis, but you had Jesus. He's like, no, I'm here. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I just want to encourage us. This is a year of miracles. God told us that this year, and I'm not going to let us forget that. Some of you are still in need of a miracle, and, and maybe it is a crisis. Maybe it's not, but you got to get in position to receive your miracle. I just believe there's some things that you can do to posture yourself. Now, you can't manipulate God. I don't think you can manipulate God, but I can't create space for God. And then just say, God, whatever you want to do. But man, this, this is, he knows our needs. He knows our hearts. So we're going to make room for a miracle. And that's the title of the message today, and making room for a miracle. Making room for a miracle. I want to go into 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 7. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 17. This is the story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman. 
And the background to this story is, if, if you're new to the faith or you don't know anything about it, Elisha was a prophet. So Elisha is the man of God. Uh, God uses him to do his work in the land. Um, he is the one that is the understudy of Elijah. He's the one that receives the mantle when Elijah is taken into heaven. And so Elisha is the man of God, the prophet of God. And he goes to Shunem, and there's this wealthy woman who takes care of him in Shunem. And I want to show you something that the Lord's really been speaking to me in my life about how we can make room in our life for God to do a miracle. Look at verse 8. Now I'm going to read a lot of scripture, so stay with me. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be about 10 verses, 10 passages, and then I'm just going to give you a couple of thoughts, and I, I'm going to give you a charge, and I want you to go home this week, and I want you to read this story and see what God will speak to you. Verse 8. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there. She urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure that this man who stops here from time to time is a holy man of God. So she could tell this is not just some regular person. This is a man of God. And that's what you need to know. Back then, the Holy Spirit wasn't deposited into everybody's life who were believers. There were men that were selected. And so that was the vessel God used to speak to the nations through. Now, thank God, because of the Holy Spirit, the, the cross, the blood of Jesus, aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us? You don't need me to tell you what God is saying. God will speak to you directly. But back then, that's not what happened. And so this woman recognizes this is God himself. Do you understand? Like God, like God will speak through this man. God will use this man. And she says, I recognize there was something inside. Have you ever had a God moment when some people just didn't recognize what was happening, but God began to speak to you and you recognize, hey, this is a God opportunity. Well, she recognizes this is a God opportunity. This man is a man of God. He stops in from time to time. And then look what she says in verse 10. So I want to build him a small room. She wants to make room. Look about that. Practically, like this woman literally made a room. <laughs> she says, I want to build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. So in other words, I want to create space for God in our life. And then look at what he says in verse 11. One day Elisha returned to Shunem. He went up to his upper room to rest. And he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak with her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, so he's speaking to his servant, to the woman, tell her we appreciate the kind concern that you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or the commander of the army? In other words, I got influence. What would you like? And what I love what she says, she says, no, my family takes good care of me. In other words, I'm good. I didn't do this to get something. I just was generous. I recognized that God is here and I want to create space for God in my generosity. And then it says, later, you got to check this. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? So now he is asking, what can we do? Gehazi replies, she doesn't have a son for her husband is an old man. He says, call her back. Elisha told him when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as he, she stood in the doorway, Kevin, I feel like my mic is ringing back just a little, stood in the doorway, next year this time you will be holding a son in your arms. 
And then look at what it says. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me. Don't get my hopes up like that. So in other words, this must have been a deep, deep desire. And back in the Bible days, the blessing of God was shown through offspring. And so here she is. She made room from God when she didn't have uh, the ability to produce offspring. She wasn't offended at God. She wasn't frustrated at God. She said, look, I don't understand why, but I'm still going to make room for God. And it's fun to see how now God meets the desires of her heart. It says, but sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha said. God did the impossible in her life because she made room for God. And I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts. I just want to give you a few thoughts, three thoughts. First one is, margin makes room in your life for a miracle. Let me say it like this. Miracles happen in the margins. Now, I know sometimes it's crisis, and I get all that, but I'm telling you that there's a way that we can create space in our life, and that as we do create space, God has the ability to do the impossible. We see this in this story. Look, she, she couldn't have made a room for Elisha had she not had margin financially. So in other words, she wasn't living paycheck to paycheck. In fact, the, woman, the, the Bible describes her as a wealthy woman, which means she was very good with her money. She was very frugal with her stuff. She was a good manager of her servants and all the crops and whatever it was, they made their livelihood through. And so we know that she was a good steward. And we as believers, the better a steward we are of the resources God has given us, the more margin we create in our life. And the more margin we create in our life, the more space we create for God to do a miracle. I believe God rarely does anything and creates miracles out of nothing. It's not that often in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't do it. Look, God provided manna for the Israelites in the desert. That came out of nothing. But when you look at what God typically does, like think about Jesus feeding the 5,000, 5,000 men plus women and children. He took a boy's sack lunch. He took two fish and five loaves. He took that boy's margin. In other words, what he had. And that's what he multiplied to feed the masses. He didn't just say, okay, Father, rain bread from heaven. Go ahead and drop fish from the sky. But, but I also know, you know, there are moments. He fed the Israelites with manna. Cool, that's miraculous. But yet at the same time, there are some things that we can create in our life, some margin where God has something to work with. When, when you look at the Bible, there's also the story just before this where Elisha comes across a widow of the prophets. Her and her son are about to be sold into slavery because of the debt of her dead husband. And Elisha says, what do you have? She says, I've got oil, some olive oil. Well, what was that? That was her margin. In other words, it was what was left from what she had needed to use. And he said, what? Go get empty vats, and I'm going to take your oil, that margin, and I want you to pour it into the empty vats. Go find as many as possible. And the boys got all the vats that were empty, all the jars, and they poured the oil in, and finally it ran dry. But it was enough to pay the debt and to no longer be sold into slavery. God used the margin to be multiplied to produce the miracle. Here's what I would ask you. In the area of your life where you need a miracle, in any area of your life, does God have margin that he can work with to multiply to produce a miracle in your life? God uses what we have. He's not a genie in the bottle. 
And then here's what I also know too. Sometimes you're asking God to give you something that you haven't built the discipline to keep. Because margin takes discipline. It takes discipline to say no to those shoes, to say no to that hat, to say no to that car. I mean, I'm just telling you, listen, we lived in the same house we lived in for 10 years. Like, I know we built a house, and it's nice, and it's great, but for 10, we could have afforded a new house on year two. But we lived in a house that cost us way less and saved for a long, 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 long time. And then when we had the opportunity, it was like, wow, God gave us favor. God multiplied our resources. And then now that we have what we have, we're still able to have margin and not live paycheck to paycheck. I'm convinced sometimes what you buy is not a blessing but a curse because it has tapped you out. It has exhausted all of your resources. I would rather an iPhone 6 with joy than an iPhone 13 with stress. I would rather a small two-bedroom house with one bathroom than a big four-bedroom, two-bedroom house or two-bath house and can't barely pay the bills. I'd rather the 1980 79 Ford F-250 than a car that drowns you in the note. What am I talking about? I'm just talking about margin. I'm just talking about making room for God in your life. Margin. The next thing that we see with this woman, now here, here I just want to challenge us. The woman creates space for God, literally making a room for the man of God. But the next thing we saw with her margin is that she invested her margin wisely. So we got to be real careful because now that you've got margin, don't be a hoarder. I know, I know, I know, I know. Because it looks really good. It's like I created all this space. So, so you know, I, I kept all this money and, and God, we're doing good. But, but don't let your faith migrate from God to money. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because then you can look at your bank account and say, whoo, I'm going to make it through this recession. Baby, that, that bank account can be gone in a day. That is not where my trust goes. My trust goes to God Almighty. And so I've got to make sure, God, I'm going to invest my margin wisely. I'm going to invest my margin wisely. She recognized that this was an opportunity. She didn't just give to anybody. She recognized this was the man of God. And God must have been speaking to her. Like at some level, how many know it ain't the devil that's speaking to you to make room? And she didn't waste her extra. She didn't hoard her extra. She didn't lavish and spend her extra. She invested. Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill, I love what he said. He's a great prophet. He says this, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. She understood too, if I don't do this, someone else is going to. Can you imagine? She probably wasn't the only wealthy person in that place. And she said, this is an opportunity, so I'm going to invest my margin in the place where God wants me to invest it. So here's what I would tell you. God opportunities have an expiration date. They do. They just, they do. Have you ever had God speak to you to go do something, maybe pray for someone, and he says, pray for someone, and you're like, cool, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. He says it again, you don't do it. He says it again, you don't do it. Third, fourth time, he stops talking to you. Why? Because he got someone who would actually do it. I love what Kinsey said. Uh, I, met, I saw her yesterday at prayer, and she said, you know, I'm just excited about what God is doing. Actually, we were working on the six-on-six. Six. She's going to be doing six-on-six six, September 4th. And she said, you know, one of the great things that I found was I used to be so busy when God asked me to do something. The answer was, I'm too busy. Wow. 
She said, what I've learned is I'm building this discipline in my life that I've got margin. So when God asks me to do something, it's like, no, I'm going to do it. And even if I am busy, I'm still going to invest what I have in the right place. She understood, and she said the other day, someone called her in a crisis and said, can you pray for me? She said, before I might would have said, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. She paused everything, prayed for him, and she said, God did a miracle for that woman on the phone. Isn't that amazing? She invested her time. So, so how does that actually play out in our lives? So you know, we'll talk about financial margin a little bit later. That's not my topic today where building and investing margin does do financial, we have to do it financially. But I thought about how does it play out in our time because that's a pretty big part of what we need margin in, right? It's easy to say yes to everything and then next thing you know the world's running your schedule. When we have margin, we say no to everything and only yes to what God wants us to. But here's where I was gonna caution us is to be real careful because your boundary can become a barrier. It's like, no, 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 you've created all this margin. My family, we spend four or five nights a, a week and you, together, and I'm just not willing to give it up. And yet you come to church, and God says, hey, uh, you've been here for a little bit, or maybe you just got here, but I want you to go to a small group. And you got margin, but your boundary says, well, no, because it feels good just to lay around the house. Yeah, but you've been, you've been laying around the house for a little bit already, and you do have a Sabbath already. And if God is speaking to you to get in a small group, I promise it's not the devil. So when they launch September 11th, it's got to be saying, okay, God, my margin is going to be invested in relationships in this church. And you've been praying for your spouse. You've been praying for them. And you're asking God to do the miracle. They won't go to a small group, but you said, hey, I've got some margin, so I'm going to go. Whether you go or not, you go to the small group, and little did you know behind the scene, because you've invested in what God said, God does a miracle in your husband's life. Why? Because you made room for God in your schedule by doing what God placed on your heart. Same thing with serving. Look, I get it. You come to church, and look, this is a great place to rest and a great place to get refilled up, but there comes a point where God says, hey, I, I need you off the bench. I need you in the game. This is good, but, but we got lost people we're still reaching. We got people that, are, that used to be where you're at, where you're, you used to be where they're at, so you need to get up, go serve them, let them get filled up, but we build these boundaries saying, no, nah, Sunday's my family day. Okay. Not if God's speaking to you. But, but it can be, but here's what I'm asking you. Wouldn't it be better to say, God, you're the one that's speaking to me? Because here's the way we are at church. Nobody guilts you, condemns you. We don't even want you serving if you don't love it or like it or feel like God's called you to it. It'll be a train wreck. But when God starts speaking to you, why is he doing it? Because he wants you to come alive with purpose. He's got something inside of you. And so we got to not let that boundary be the barrier. And we got to say, God, I've managed my life well to get some margin. Now I'm going to reinvest my margin back into your work. You see how that works? Do it emotionally. I mean, you go through the whole gamut, relationally, all of that. So, so don't let your boundary become a barrier. Once you've got margin and the Lord speaks to you, now you go invest that margin in the right place. And what you're doing is you're making room for a miracle. Made a room for a miracle. The, 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 the rich woman made a room for God. It was out of her margin. She was generous. And here's, I just want you to get this. Think about this. Her generosity captured the attention of God. Look at what it says in verse 14. The prophet, Elisha, look what he says. What can we do for her? 
How many of you would love to have God say, what could I do for you? What could I do for you? See, she wasn't doing it to get something. It wasn't manipulation, and there's a whole name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, this whole prosperity, false narrative, gospel. I'm not telling you to give to get. You give because we love God, but I am telling you that God blesses you, that when you are generous, when you tithe, when you give over and above, when you serve, when you go and show up where God wants you to be, there is something about him saying, how can I bless Jim? How can I bless Phyllis? How can I bless Tara? How can I bless Peter? How I'm telling you, God starts looking for ways to bless you. And it's an amazing thing. And that's where people say, well, it's just not fair. Favor ain't fair, baby. God loves everybody, but he favors some. And I want the favor of God on my life. I want the favor of God because I've learned to make room for God to be generous. And I, I'm going to close with this last thought, but I want you to notice this. And, and we didn't read it, but I'm going to tell you for, for time's sake. When you read later into this passage, not only does God give her a son, the son was probably about 12 years old. He's out working with his father. The Bible declares probably heat stroke, but he dies in his mom's arm. Can you imagine the very thing God gives you as a miracle? Dies in your arms. Some of you lost your business. Some of you lost your marriage. Some of you have lost your family. Some of you have lost your finances. God blessed it at one time, and somehow it dies in your arms. This woman didn't get mad at the prophet, didn't get angry at the prophet. She understood. I made room for this man. She takes the thing that died and puts it in the place that she made for God. She puts her son in the bed that she actually put in the room for the prophet. She goes and gets the prophet. What's wrong, woman? Oh, you, you, you'll come and see. And so lo and behold, he goes to the house. Long story short, he lays on the boy. The boy comes back to life. So I want to just, here's my thought. I wonder if God can resurrect what's dead in your life in the places where you make room for him. Where you make room for God has resurrected potential. So it's like, man, you lost your business. Don't stop tithing. You see, the enemy would say, I'm going to stop giving. Why? Because I lost the very thing. No, 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 no. Because that's making room for the resurrection power of that business that is still inside of you. See, the devil wants you to think it's over and finished, but we serve a God that raises dead things back to life, and he does it in the margin of our lives. So what dead dream do you have that God could resurrect? What dead business? What dead ministry? What dead relationship? The power of God is in this place, but I want to encourage you. It's a season of margin. You're going to have to say no as this fall season. My kids can't be in every sport. They get one sport. We're not going to be out every night of the week. We're going to eat dinner four times together. Every, like, we just have to say, no, Phyllis and I, it's a con. Nope, can't do that. Why? Because we got to keep space for God to move financially. Can't buy all the latest, greatest. Look, I've had this shirt for about two years. Why? Because I ain't my, I'm not investing all my margin in clothes. I'm going to look good, but I ain't got to have all the name brand. You ain't going to find me on sneakers and preachers. <laughs> just not. I've had these shoes for about 10 years, and they walk just as good today. Why? Because I'm investing my margin not only in things on earth, but things in heaven. Baby, I want to get to heaven full of kingdom rewards and riches because I had an eye on eternity. And I want to challenge you this week 
to increase the margin in your life to make room for God. And I want to leave you with this one verse, and then I'm going to give you three things I'm asking you to do. Matthew eleven twenty eight, and I believe this is a word for some of you that came here today. Come to me, all of you who are weary and you're burdened. You walked in today, you're stressed out, you're overwhelmed. Jesus says, come to me, single parent who's about to fall apart. Come to me, business guy who you've lost everything or you're about to lose it all. Come to me, mama, who's stressed out to the max because of your kids. Come to me, everyone. Look who is what? Who is burdened and weary. And look what he says. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's where the margin part. Look, we're learning today. Some of you came in and you you got no margin, but you're learning. We're going to exchange the world system for God's system. And he says, I'm gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your what? souls. Some of you had not had rest in a long time. You're sleeping, but you ain't resting. That's what margin does. Rest. God, I just rest for my soul. Let's make room for God in our lives. Be intentional about it. Here's your assignment. Simple assignment. If you got your message notes, it's on your message notes. Number one, I'm asking you to participate in 21 days of prayer. We're in week two. Well, you hadn't started or you forgot about it. It's okay. Join us now. Why? Because we're making spiritual margin. I believe all margin starts with our margin with God. When we, when we get that right, everything else works. So what does that mean? We got prayer from 6 to 7, Monday through Friday. I'm inviting you to come and be a part of it physically. If not, join us online. Join us Saturdays at 9 a.m. We had a great prayer service yesterday. It's not even a service. It's just corporate prayer from 9 to 10. And just say, hey, for the next two weeks, I'm going to make room for God in the 21 days of prayer together. Second thing I'm asking you to do is evaluate where you need margin in your life. Just evaluate. So margin comes in our schedules, financial, emotional, relational, spiritual, and physical. Where do you need margin? Some of you, you, you get up, sun up, sun down. You're, you're grinding five hours of sleep every day. You need some physical margin. You need some physical rest. You can do it for a little while, but your body's going to shut down eventually. You got to assess, where do I need margin? And then here's the third thing I'm asking you to do. Just come back next week. Come back next week. Let's take the next four weeks and let's create space and make room for God to move in our lives. Father, we thank you.